Welcome, everyone, to Men's Leadership Podcast. Act Like Men, Men's Leadership Podcast is a podcast that was designed to be a resource for pastors and men's ministry leaders as they build an engaging ministry with and through their men. Why do we do this? We believe strongly that every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. Welcome, everyone. Good to have you today. Thanks for taking time to join us. You are the reason we exist. We believe in you, and we're here to support you. My name is Wendell Morton. I'm the Executive Director of Men's Ministry Catalyst, who sponsors this podcast. As you know, my co-host is Dale Udy. Dale, welcome. Good to have you again. Wendell, good to be with you. Again, we've got a great guest today. I've been following this guy for almost 25 years, and his passion for men has had an influence in my life. Awesome. Well, let me bring in our guest. Our guest today is Brian Doyle. He is the founder of Iron Sharpens Iron. He is a, a married man, five children, two grandchildren, and he has the T-shirt that says, if I'd known grandkids were so fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> Brian, welcome. Good to have you. Well, good to be with you, man. Thank you for having me. So, Brian, let's just jump right in. Talk to us about... Um, where did this passion to reach men come from in your own life? Let's go back into the history books, if you will, yeah. for a little bit in your journey. Uh, before you ever started Iron Sharpers Iron, before I ever met your Promise Keepers, how, how did this begin with you? Well, you know, I'm a product of the ministry of the Navigators. So I came to Christ as a young man in college, and uh, another man invested in me, and he passed me off to another man who also invested in me, deeply invested in me, not because I was awesome, but it was what they did. They right. made unusual investments in individuals. It was the worth of the individual man, and they taught me to do the same, so I did. And then I graduated, got out to the work marketplace, and I realized, oh, wow, no one else is doing this. No one else is investing in individuals. Uh, so I Continued my involvement with the Navigators while in the marketplace, while in the church. Ended up going on staff with the Navigators in the uh, mid-80s. Worked in their military ministry, which was a lot of fun. And it was also where this really, the Holy Spirit planted this seed and vision for ministry to men. I was on a submarine base in Connecticut, invested in enlisted sailors. All men, just guys in the barracks, guys with time on their hands guys who, you know, didn't know Jesus, but needed to know Jesus. And as we led guys to Christ, as we followed them up, as we invested in them, taught them to share their own faith, invest in other men, we saw a multiplying ministry uh, of mission-minded men. It was unusually fruitful, something that I honestly have never been part of since. Hmm. Uh, So unusually fruitful. And here's what I really saw, the camaraderie of mission-minded men. It just was wonderful. Of course, I, that one first season, I got married and uh, got back into the marketplace, uh, worked there for a number of years, involved in some you know, very good churches, but the church did not have anything like what we experienced on the sub base. There was no camaraderie of mission-minded men. 
Right. Men were just living cluttered lives, very cluttered lives, with all kinds of things shouting for their attention, unlike these mm. enlisted sailors on the Navy base. So it was it was troubling to me. Uh, it was something I was given a lot of time and energy. I was still investing in men. And then in the 90s, early 90s, one of my friends with the Navigators uh, introduced me to the Ministry of Promise Keepers. He was out in Colorado. I was in Connecticut. I didn't really know much about Colorado, but uh, the Lord just got me connected. Uh, I became a, a volunteer for Promise Keepers uh, because I believed in, in building men. I, I knew from personal experience what could happen when a man was fully devoted to follow Christ. Amen. So, yeah, so that's why I ended up uh, working for Promise Keepers, learning a lot about uh, ministry to men in masculine context and still God was using that time with Promise Keepers to fuel my faith and vision for what it really looks like when you build into men. When you build godly men, you build a reproducing, reproducible ministry to men. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's awesome. It's a, it's a great story. I mean, I, I, the Navigators has had a tremendous influence on a lot of people, including myself, yes. uh, people who invest in men. And all, all they've done is taken the biblical model, by the way, that right. so few other organizations in the in the ministry have really gotten involved with, which is one-on-one, -on -one, really touching lives in a deep and a unique way and allowing the Word of God to transform a life. Yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty awesome thing. So then from Promise Keepers, you created another ministry called Iron Sharpens Iron. Yeah. So we... Love the love promise keepers. Didn't do a lot of conferences. That wasn't my role. My role was to uh, talk to local church yeah. leaders about yeah. ministry to men. And promise keepers yeah. was a wonderful platform for that. But it kind of yeah. came and went. Yeah. At that point, it was uh, right around 2000, January 2000. I had to make a decision because uh, that was no longer going to be a place where I could make a living. And at that point, you know, we had. Uh, my wife and I had three kids and there were more to come. Uh, so I had a few different things, but the, the Spirit of God was very clear. I needed to continue to do exactly what I had been doing, just needed a new hat. So found a new hat. We uh, ended up long-term calling it Iron Sharpens Iron. We took what I've just been talking about. We took the ministry of the Navigators and the ministry of the Promise Keepers, and we brought it to the local church. Because the local church is the key to all of this. Uh, it isn't about uh, reaching men. It's about equipping the church to yep. disciple men, to train yep. men for spiritual leadership. Yep. The local church was, has always been the leverage for what we're doing. Even in uh, what turned out to be, <clears throat> of all the things we tried, we tried quite a few things. Uh, the only thing that really worked was a one-day conference for men, one-day equipping conference, but that worked pretty well. And so we take this conference, which is a one-day, you know, Saturday, 8.30 to 4.30, pretty simple model. But we took a little bit of the Promise Keepers, which was masculine context, critical mass, hundreds and hundreds of men, uh, masculine worship, a safe yeah. place where a man's guard goes down, he really hears from God. We took some of that, mm. you know, things that are mm. specific to men. Uh, challenging men, exhorting men. So we took that promise keeper stuff and then we merged it with what I learned in the Navigators, which was training 
Don't you exhort men. We exhorted millions of men who are promise keepers, but we right, trained right. pretty much nobody. Right. So you had exhorted men who didn't know what to do with their excitement and their uh, they were fired up. They were genuinely fired up, but they didn't know what to do. And the local church wasn't ready for that kind of man. Right. Drove their pastors nuts. Right. So what we did is we trained men on site. We trained them on site. We had seminars in the morning, seminars in the afternoon, that we would train them how to do what they were being exhorted to do. And yes, if the local church did that as well, but since most local church didn't and still don't, we felt like we needed to do it on site and give the local church not just a fired up man, but a fired up man who was now ready to do something. He was now had the equipping, the training, the tools to then you know put that ministry into action. And so that's what we've been doing for the last better part of 20 plus years. And it's turned into a platform where I can do what I really want to do and what our team really wants to do, which is help local churches who are willing, who are interested, who have a vision for men. Not every local church, not every local church leader, elder, pastor has a vision for men. You know, my target customer is a pastor that sees men differently. You know, so I was married for 30 years, had five kids. My target customer is a pastor, elder, leader who, when he sees myself and my family walk into his church building, his sanctuary, whatever it might be, he sees one unit with a leader. Yep. That's yep. seven constituents. And I can mm. tell you from personal experience is that most church leaders who are godly people, uh, who have wonderful intentions, see the seven of us come in and see seven constituents, seven people that they can help, that they've developed programs for, that yeah. they have staffing for, that they have a budget oh. for, but they don't see, you know, technically they see the unit because we all came in the same car. Well, the same address. Yeah. You know, we have the same. We on our on the in church directory, we have one email and one phone number, so they know technically we're a unit, but they treat us, and the whole structure of local church is set up to to help us individually. Never, yeah. rarely, you know, seeing us as a unit, and then and then discerning, okay, who's the head of the unit? Oh, it's that yeah. guy. So, yeah. how do we help that guy? To, to excel in his responsibility that God will hold him accountable for. Because God will not hold uh, the pastor and elders accountable for, for instance, my children, but he certainly will hold me. That's I right. need the pastor exactly. and I need elders, I need church leaders to help me do my job. Let's talk about right. You've mentioned this before with us too, that aspect of not only ministering to men, but the whole goal of ministering through men. And that's just what you've been explaining to us. That's an important yeah. concept to, to understand. There's a big difference between ministering to men and ministering through men. Yeah, that's really right. Let's talk about pastors for a minute. So, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times, pastors don't necessarily have a vision to reach men in and of themselves. They don't have a a, a passion as much as it is to be faithful to their body of, of believers as they are to be uh, the leader of the men of the church. Um, how do how do we help a pastor who might be afraid of men, been fired by a man in a previous church, 
uh, a little bit nervous about what do I do with men? I've never been in the marketplace. I don't really relate to what they relate to in the right. same manner. How, how do we help a pastor at least get a vision, even if he can't cross the bridge to fully understand what, what the needs are? How, how do we help him do that? Well, I do think that you uh, you have the right starting point. It's a vision. You know, the yeah. execution of the vision can be tricky, and you need yeah. help from yeah. your lay leaders to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts with just what you said, Wendell. It starts with vision. If you do not see your constituency as households, yeah, but rather yeah. individuals. So when I meet a pastor, I have yeah. a... I don't want to call it a trick question, but it's kind of a tricky question. I'll say something very casually and very genuinely. I'll say something like, hey, so what do your numbers look like on Sunday? And he'll tell me. He'll think about it. He, he knows the answer, and he'll say, let's just say 500. I'll go, okay, 500, yeah. Now, is that 500 individuals or is that 500 households? And he'll look at me like, What? No, you know, is it is it 500 people or is it 500 households, families that are attending? He goes, oh, well, no, it's people. And then I'll say, well, how many households are part of this constituency? And he'll usually not know, frankly. Hmm. Right. I mean, right. he could make it up. But, uh, I mean, I just was literally about a week ago talking to a wonderful local church leader who uh, saw this differently, saw the way, I, I mean, he could. He saw where I was going. He says, we're all about households. We're all about reaching households. Because here's what happens. When a, when a pastor has a clear vision for his constituency, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, shepherd God's flock that's under your care. If he, if he can really uh, have a vision for who is under my care, for instance, Brian and his wife and five kids, of those, who's really under my care? Are they all under my care? Are they all under my care equally? How do I handle that? So when he looks at his congregation from A to Z, from one to 100, who's really under his care? And what I want to help a pastor do is just simply to see his congregation as God sees it, that there are households, some of them are single people. Some of them are married people with no couples. Some of them are complicated families because it's a complicated world. But if he sees his congregation as households, guess what happens? Men rise to the surface. So one of my most deliberate things I do is to help a pastor, leader, elder see his congregation as households. Because when that happens, I now have a hearing with them. Because I can help him equip the head of that household. I can help him leverage his influence. That's good. Um, If I'm a pastor and I know there's an ISI conference in my city or city close enough, what's the motivation for me to send my men to a, quote, parachurch outside of the church organization? I know we've talked a lot about pastors. Help me as a pastor feel comfortable doing that. Well, you know, some I mean, some pastors are earlier adopters. They don't need a whole lot of comfort level. They'll try different things. But you're right. Most pastors are not early adopters, right. and they'll need to see it, touch it, feel it, hear about it. And so for those pastors, I'd say this is now our 24th year doing this. 
Yeah. Uh, so you, there's a little bit of trust that's been developed over time, and I'd be glad to put them, of course, in connection with people that have been impacted by this. I think, again, a parachurch ministry, I'm a church guy, so I served as an elder in a yeah. local church for 12 years. I'm still very involved in local church ministry. The point of a parachurch is to come alongside the local church and offer experience and expertise in a way that local church does not have. So what we do as a parachurch ministry, we put on a resource for the church. It's not for the men. We don't try and recruit men to Iron Shepherd's Iron. We mobilize churches to bring men. So even in that, churches learn all kinds of stuff because most churches don't know how to mobilize men. That's why, frankly, they've given up on ministry to men because it's been somewhat of a dismal failure even putting on kind of fun stuff or light stuff or stuff that's kind of low commitment. They can't seem to get the men to attend. I can help you with that. There is some secret sauce to this engaging men and mobilizing men. So if if I can help a pastor mobilize men to an off-site whole day event on a Saturday, that gives them some convincing, some persuasion that maybe we know something that they don't which Mm. is exactly what we do. We do know so. We also, on that simple one day, can provide more for his breath of men. Remember, breath of men, we believe that manhood starts in the early teens and goes to the end of life. So we have at our conference, remember, I took a little of that navigator thing, merge it with the promise keeper thing. So we've got 16 different seminars at our conference. Uh, Those seminars start with guys who are in high school. Those are men, and they need to be talked to, spoken to, and trained as men. Because if you don't, you will lose them very quickly. So we we train these young men. So we have things that are very specific to men, like dating, waiting, and mating. You know, that's what guys are interested in, things like that, you know, career choices. But we also have things for the guys who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s who want to finish strong, who want to endure who want to leave a legacy, and then everything in between. So you can have confidence as a pastor that you can bring the breath of your men, and and men get to choose which seminars that they go to. They have a choice of eight seminars in the morning. They have a choice of eight seminars in the afternoon. One of the harder things about Promise Keepers is that we did not give men a choice. We had a topic, and I would sometimes come outside or outside the arena or wherever we were, stadium, and see that there were men not inside. Well, why not? Because the topic didn't relate to them. Well, men yep. choose their topic because that's what men like to do, that they like to choose. So we give them a choice, and then they choose the topic they want to go to. They go to the speaker they want, and we introduce the speaker's topic. So it's a, it's a whole year of ministry for the men of your church on one day. All you have to do is mobilize your men there, and we're here to help you. We create the tools. We give you a pathway. We give you tips on how to mobilize the men of your church. So in many cases, it's a very positive situation for the local church. Amen. And, and you you um, encourage pastors to attend these with their men, correct? Not just send their men. Well, I couldn't encourage it more. Now, it doesn't always happen, and it's not like if you don't go, it's not the end of the world. But again, back to 1 Peter 5, shepherd God's flock that's under your care. I'll just tell you a quick story. So I'm an elder in a local church in Connecticut years ago when this started, when we started the ministry. 
I'm going to an elder board meeting. I'm walking through the lobby of our church where we have this big sign where men were signing up to go to Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, so we had a pretty good group. It was early. This is like the second year we did this. And we had like 30, odd, 30, maybe 35 guys signed up, which is a good number for our uh, local church. I walked into Elder Ward meeting after looking at the signups and said, hey, I don't see uh, I, only, I don't see many of you guys signed up for the men's conference. And they kind of looked at me kind of, you know, shyly, bashfully. I don't know. One guy spoke up, though, Ned. He said, you know, honestly, Brian, I looked at your brochure. I didn't really see a lot for me. I go, really? Did you look at the 35 guys who were signed up on the poster in the lobby? He goes, oh, oh, yeah, well, put me down. See, Ned was a good man. He's an elder. He was a shepherd of the local yep. church. He just didn't, yep. even that guy who was a brilliant guy, even that he had not connected the dots, that he needed to be there with the men of the church, even if there was nothing for him, which, by the way, there was plenty for him. Yeah, plenty even for if him. There yeah, was, absolutely. If, even if there was nothing for him, there were 35 plus guys that he was responsible to oversee, yep. that he could encourage, he could sharpen, he could be yep. with them. So what do you learn? What yep. seminar did you go? Why did you pick that yep. seminar? How's it going? Yep. You know, just have, that's as a pastor, that's what you want to do. You want to shepherd your men at Amen. the event. Be there with them. Yeah. Amen. Perfect. Well, Brian, this is good. Uh, I thank God for you. I thank God that, yes. uh, you know, we connected. Uh Navigators helped build a foundation through the Word of God, and uh, you were available when Promise Keepers came and needed some support up in the Northeast at that time, and uh, you still had a vision for what God was trying to do through Promise Keepers, and you continued it on. And um, I know there's uh, Iron Sharpers Irons conferences all over the place in 2024. If I send them to your website, ironsharpensiron.net, will that work? Is that the best place to send people? Yep, that's where they'll work, and they'll just click on the city that's interested in them. If they don't see a city, they can just click on us, and we'll start talking to them. All right, that sounds really, really great. Well, Brian, I, I th again, like I said, I thank God for you and, and your faithful commitment to um, building a ministry, not just for men uh, or by men, but uh, as you've talked about, through men. Uh, and, and you and I talked before we started recording of the Psalm 78 that uh, we're touching generations yet to be born. And so um, thank God for you and, and the work that uh, Iron Sharp as Iron is doing. Uh, we don't do this very often, Brian, but would you just have a quick prayer for the pastors who might be listening that God will prick uh, their heart to, uh, to help uh, impact men? Sure. Thank you, Lord, for a time together. Thank you for uh, Dale and Wendell and their commitment to build godly men to catalyze men's ministry, especially in the local church, which yeah. is your idea. So we bless you, the local church. And we pray that ministries like Iron Sharpens Iron would be a wonderful resource yeah. to help the local church engage, disciple, and equip men. We know that when we build yeah. godly men, everyone wins. That's your design. It's your idea. But would yeah. you give us courage to be yeah. uh, countercultural and to step into yeah. that? and to mm -hmm. make the choices to put men in a place of training, to build into these men. So I pray your unmerited favor on every pastor, leader, elder that listens to this podcast, that you give them courage to step into it. 
So please hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining today. Um, and Brian, thank you. It's been a great topic. I pray for your ministry and uh, that you'll continue to reach men through churches and pastors will come alongside and, and become the leader of, of that organization of men. So we, we thank you for that. Just a reminder, our um, podcast released on the first and third Thursdays. If you've not yet done so, you can either subscribe on our website or wherever you happen to consume your podcast. Thanks again for joining us. You are the reason we exist. We pray God's blessing on you today. In Jesus' name.